Welcome to the Third Down Gamble podcast. It's go time. Previously on Third Down Gamble. Uh, if Judge is trying to apply his trade in the NFL, at some point you're going to have to read what's going on down there and figure out whether or not you've got a future there or not because you're going to miss opportunities up here. First down. The judge has given his verdict. It's Toronto. Welcome, everyone, to Third Down Gamble. I'm Don Charbon, along with Heath Graham and Patrick Mooney. And, guys, I think we called it in our last podcast that uh, we thought Judge would wind up with the Argonauts. It seems like there's a lot of people winding up with the Argonauts. Uh, Pinball Clemens is definitely rebuilding that team, and uh, this is a, a great signing for them. To have a Canadian linebacker on their team is definitely going to help solidify the defense. Um, I, I think they're in a good place, and it's going to be fun to watch them. If you're pointing to one team out east that really went after it in free agency, not only in 2020, but now in 2021, it's Toronto. They have really tried to reshape and remold that team into something completely different. And, you know, with uh, Clemens at the helm, he, he won a great cup as a coach there. He knows what it takes. He, he won as a player. He knows what it takes to make it happen in Toronto. And he will be the guy guiding that uh, resurrection, if you want to call it, from such a poor record that they had in 2019. And Toronto is one of those teams that when they do well, the league does well. So it's great to see them putting those strides in and not wanting to be one of those bottom feeders anymore, get a contender back on the field. And I think they've... They've certainly done that with adding a player of judges caliber to that defense. If you have a strong Southern Ontario market and you have a competitive Hamilton team and a competitive Toronto team that does well for more eyeballs in the stands and more eyeballs watching the game on TV. Absolutely. As I said before, Pinball, I think, has done a great job. He's obviously sold the players that are coming in on the fact that Toronto will be a competitive team. And, uh, you know, looking at the signings they have, there's no doubt to me that they're going to be a one of the teams to beat in the East, I think they'll be able to compete with Hamilton for sure. On paper, at least, we can give them that much. They still have to get on the field. They still have to perform. And gelling is one of the great things that we never understand completely because you get all of these men together on a football field. Do they work together? Are they independent parts? It really comes down to coaching and also their willingness to be coached and work with the guy that stands beside them. That's right. And I think there's still a bit of a question with quarterback. Is he a star? I don't think, I don't think, um, you know, Arbuckle gives you that just yet. Um, he's certainly an up and coming quarterback, but this is going to be the real test for him uh, as a starter this year as well. So it's a real, I think, make or break season for him. They're putting tools in place around him to build a competitive team. So it's, uh, it's going to be kind of on his shoulders to see them through and see them succeed. I'm not convinced that there has to be such a jury out on Arbuckle. I look back to that 2019 season, and when he came in off the bench and beat the BC Lions, and then he had to carry the team for better part of a season, and he had a winning record through that time. Yeah, he stumbled in Winnipeg, but that was he didn't have too many games where you pointed to him and say that he was in over his head. I thought he acquitted himself well. And I thought he deserved the chance to be a starter. He knew that Mitchell was going to be the man to be in Calgary for the foreseeable future. And if that was the case, then I have to apply my trade somewhere else. Tried with Ottawa, got to Toronto. He now works with his quarterback coach from Calgary. And Dinwiddie, we know, 
does well with quarterbacks in the limited time that he's had in the league. Wherever he's gone, offensive play improves. Dinwiddie will be a big factor for his success. I think to go back, and I'm harping on the same issue, but I think they've they've surrounded him now with the uh, players that are uh, known CFL playmakers. So I think if he's able to gel with them, if they design it, uh, an offense, as you say, Don, that builds around his strengths and what he can present, hopefully he'll be able to meet with success. But I'm, I'm still probably leaning to more of what Heath is. I, I think the jury's out. It remains to be seen, but I, I think there's a lot of potential there. So the hope is that they will come out strong offensively. They've added those defensive pieces and should be a, a competitive team. Well, it's always that question, and we raise it here on this podcast. How far are you from being a great team? Is it one or two players? Is it one or two breaks? Is it one or two decisions that you took during the season? Sometimes the margins between 2 and 16 and 16 and 2 are a lot less than what we think. They certainly are, and you can have a, a team. I remember I think the one-year Winnipeg finished with a sub-500 record, but the people were saying they were the best 4-8 and eight team that, that anybody had ever seen. They lost a lot of really, really close games, uh, three or four-point difference. So... Um, you're you're absolutely right. You can be a, a team that your record doesn't necessarily show the level of play. I certainly hope Arbuckle does well. I like to see really all teams have a, a solid starting quarterback. I think it's great for the league. It uh, builds some of that star power up. I'm not wishing that he doesn't do well. I, I really hope he succeeds, but he is kind of the question mark uh, on that team. Like I said, they're putting some great pieces around him. So it's really going to be on his shoulders to 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 lead that team and and put some of those wins up let's move around the league we still have some huge free agents that are not signed and the biggest among them is Anak Moamba who is still out there I know that he's not coming back to Montreal but where is he landing I don't think that Saskatchewan has any room Calgary may I still would say Ottawa is another potential Don um I think he'd be a good piece for them. They have a lot of young players, exciting players, and, and uh, to get that veteran presence and, and on top of it, a, a national player, I think is definitely something that, that could benefit Ottawa's defense. Yeah, he's going to land somewhere. I have no doubt about it. Um, the other one, big question mark for me as well, changing gears a little bit, is Matt O'Donnell. I know we've talked about him over the last couple of episodes as well, and big surprise that he hasn't signed anywhere. So I, I would think both of those guys have received offers from multiple teams and they're maybe in that back and forth negotiation a little bit right now who knows how much money teams have left to spend how much these two guys were expecting but they're certainly i think solid starters on any team and want to get what they feel they're worth so it's getting down to crunch time i think before too long that you'll see both of them sign somewhere where that is is still a bit of a mystery of the three that we've talked about, Judge, O'Donnell, and Mwamba, I would have picked Judge to be the last to sign because I thought of the three, and maybe O'Donnell, maybe I'm missing the boat on this, He that Judge had the most opportunity with the NFL. Now, he had a couple of tryouts. They didn't go probably as well as expected. And as a result, he went back north and said, okay, let's, let's do this. You do wonder if... The riders had waited on him. Would they have been able to make that? Um, we talked last week about how they they went for their own set of Canadian linebackers and have since signed uh, Francis as well as another Canadian. They've definitely solidified that and left them out. But if Judge had not gone down to the NFL or if Saskatchewan had been willing to wait, would they have been able to make the bid on him or was he set to move back east? I kind of think it's the latter of what you said. 
that he had his mind made up that he wasn't coming back to Saskatchewan. Having spent some time out east, I'm sure that was probably closer to home in in some context for him than being on the prairies would have been. McLeod, Bethel Thompson, still no takers. Not a surprise in my universe. But the two situations that still kind of intrigue me, Medlock is still musing about retiring and signing. And Brett Lowther, I don't know if he's still trying to apply his trade in the NFL or not, but he's still out there. Well, as Heath had mentioned last podcast, Winnipeg still has a draft pick and Mark Leggio signed, and he's a potential option as a kicker. But the Riders really don't have a kicker at all at this point, other than John Ryan as their punter. It makes me wonder, will they look at drafting a U-sport kicker? Are there options from the last two years in the drafts? Um, I'm not sure. There might be some NCAA options coming up too, right? You're going to get a lot of a lot of players that are aging out now and looking for an opportunity to play professionally. So they they might go south of the border. Uh, Medlock's a, a international kicker as well, so it wouldn't be completely unheard of for a team to go with a, a non-Canadian in that spot. I think they're going to have to really look at their options and find the best possible whether that's a national player or if they go south of the border. I believe in the draft they'll probably have somebody that they could pencil in because at number two, you've got a lot of options to deal with that. I guess perception, are we in a situation where we have to make that move or not? Can we trust that our U-sport recruiting is done well and that we understand who's available to us? It'll be interesting to see the competition at camp because my guess is you're right, Heath, you're going to see at least one or two American kickers as well as hopefully some... Uh, you sport kickers that'll have the opportunity to compete and then the team's got to make the decision that they feel is best considering the ratio. I think there'd have to be somebody pretty outstanding for a team like the Riders to take a number two overall pick on a kicker. That is a spot usually reserved for uh, offense or defensive linemen from what we've seen in, in drafts past. But if there's a standout somewhere in U sport and they want to uh, to grab them, then maybe they can do that but I I also don't think there's a lot of other teams looking at kicking right now either as we mentioned it really depends on what Medlock does in Winnipeg but a lot of the other teams are pretty set there so a a kicker to me is somebody that you get in later rounds um, and unless somebody else has something up their sleeve I don't think they use their number two spot on that position. Another intriguing option is if if a different team has a kicker in you know right now on their roster or they draft the U-sport kicker before the riders, potentially a trade, and, and take a look at a Canadian draft pick or a future draft pick for that trade could be an option that other teams may consider as well. I'm not so sure why a kicker has to be demoted from the number two spot. I don't know if I'd be so trusting that somebody you really need is going to be hanging around in the later rounds. So I, if I'm Saskatchewan and Lowther is not coming back, I've got to do something aggressive. And why not get somebody that has a leg, has accuracy, and will fit the bill? I think it's fear of missing out. I don't know if you want to pass on somebody that could be a stud offensive lineman or like, you know, a Brandon Labatt type offensive lineman that's going to be around for a lot of years and be the cornerstone on your line versus a kicker. And, you know, if the kicker, if he's got a great college resume, but he comes in and struggles, those are the kind of guys that don't stick around very long. So then you're going to have missed out on, on, a potential five, six, seven year starter that you've now lost that opportunity because you went for a kicker. CFL players all wear a face mask for safety. With COVID-19 on our field, 
We also need to wear our masks to keep everyone safe. Do your part. Be a team player. Second down. Starting around February 9th, the CFL and the CFLPA have re-entered into negotiations to try to move forward so they can come to an agreement for the 2021 season. What are your thoughts on this year's discussions, gentlemen? Well, I certainly didn't like to hear the threat of possibly having another no season. Um, I think it would really be tough for the league to recover if that was a go. It does sound like everybody involved is pretty interested in getting a season underway and they've got to figure out the logistics, but happy to hear that they are negotiating, that the uh, TV stakeholders seem to be on board as well. And I'm cautiously optimistic at this point that we're going to get a, a season going. At this moment, we could hear a billion stories about whether the league is going to play or not play. And until I get something firm from either the CFLPA or the CFL, I don't take anything too much out of these stories other than it's speculation. Yeah, there may be somebody that said, well, I'm not sure we're going to play this year or not. It's too early in this process. They've just started to talk to each other. There's so many logistics that you have to go through. Player safety with COVID protocols. How do American players cross the border? What do you do with bye weeks? There's tons of stuff that has to be sorted out. Now you've got TV partners who are stepping up and saying, yes, we want to get this season going. So that means revenue stream on that level. But now what about fans in the stands? When do they come in? How many can come in? If Canada gets the COVID rollout the way they want to, probably we're going to be good to go by September. It should be no problem. But what do you do in the intervening months before that? How many games do you go empty stadium or partial full? That's a lot of stuff that you got to weigh your, your uh, ideas about. Where I'm optimistic in this is that we've started now earlier. Unlike last year where the CFL was one of the first leagues to consider uh, how we'll move forward, now they've had the opportunity to see what other leagues are doing. They're able to learn from that. And hopefully they've started these negotiations early enough that they can come to some kind of solution. And I, like you, Don, you mentioned we're good in fall. My hope is that they can move forward with an 18-game league. And that does mean starting earlier. So how do you go about doing that? I think it's really going to come into play how much the uh, TSN broadcaster and Bell Media is willing to put forward to keep it going as well. Um, one of the reasons I think for optimism is you're seeing a lot of other leagues that have managed to make a go of it that aren't the big three North American sports, if you will, or the big four. You've got uh, organizations, you know, Major League Soccer got a season going. You've got a National Women's Hockey League that's going. You've got the WNBA. You've got a lot of these other ones that are, are not as big that have figured it out. Uh, the CHL is looking at plans to, to go in place. Curling championships are happening. So there's reason to believe that the CFL can get a, a, a season going, even if it means empty stadiums for the first month or whatever the situation might be. What the CFL does have going for it is access to the information that the NFL came up with during their 2020 season. The NFL, and I'll give them a lot of credit for this, they have been very forthcoming with all of the data, the tracking, 
everything that they had to do to keep COVID under control to get their entire season in, and they got their season in. There were hiccups in the middle of the season. The Pittsburgh Steelers got bounced all over the place. The Baltimore Ravens got bounced all over the place. But they still made it. They still got their full season in. And as a result, there are lessons to be learned. There are successes that the NFL enjoyed. There were some things that didn't go so well. That's all on the table. And you should be able to, as the Canadian Football League, look at that and say, okay, there are things that we can take from that that we can do here And there are other things that maybe worked for them that wouldn't work here, but we can modify. Those are excellent points, Don. And and, uh, with a powerhouse like the NFL putting that information and data out, I think that that's going to behoove not just the CFL, but many leagues. You start to see what it is we need to do. You know, the NFL did not operate in a bubble where some of the other leagues have. And that certainly is, uh, I would assume, where the CFL is looking. But that remains to be seen. It could be something for negotiations as well. I think you can also take a lot away from the NHL's North Division that's currently going on too. You're seeing some issues in in different states and different parts of the U.S. with with COVID flare-ups, but knock on wood, so far so good for that North Division, and they are traveling through, uh, you know, five provinces and managing to not have any cancellations. Uh, there's a couple of little issues, I think, early on in training camps for a couple of teams, but they seem to have a good handle on it now. So logistically, the CFL should be able to latch on to that and, uh, and see the successes that the, the NHL has had. The NFL has had to work through varying jurisdictions as well, where Florida, they're much more wide open about what they want to do. California, far more closed down to the point where The 49ers couldn't even play there, but they found a place for them to play. There are going to be issues that you can't countenance right now, but you have those examples in front of you. So there's lots available to you. There's no reason why you can't open the book and start flipping through the pages and reading about what they felt will work. Well, I'm certainly hopeful that uh, the CFL and the CFLPA will be able to work together to take a look at the safety protocols, take what they've learned from other leagues, and and find a way to move forward together. Because I think both, well, let, let's say all stakeholders, because fans and organizations, everyone included, would like to see the CFL go. Of course, Heath, you alluded off the start that, that there's always naysayers. And because of that, we've seen some players in the league who've actually stepped back and said, okay, if the league doesn't go there is some concern. I think it was Brandon Banks who stated that he's going to retire if there's no season. According to Three Down Nation, he put it on Twitter as well. So that's uh, it's interesting to see some of these players now going out. I, I believe that, uh, that Richie Leone also echoed that sentiment. And I'm wondering, at the end of the day, we sometimes forget it's about these players. This is their livelihood. This is how they make money. And uh, they're certainly going to want to see something go forward. If it doesn't, there's a big impact to them. There is a lot of discussion about players reacting to the chance that there may not be a season. And I'm kind of with the players this time. You can do this once, but now you've had enough of an example from other leagues that you shouldn't have to do this twice. The CFL should be able to go through in 2021. I know it's going to be difficult. It's going to be a challenge, but I think the alternative is way worse. If you you can't go not play twice. I, d- I just don't think that's even a negotiation point. I'm kind of waiting to see what some of the other players say as well. We've had two kind of speak up so far, but if you remember, Brandon Banks was also the first one to say he wasn't going to play in 2020 because of COVID. Yes, he was. 
I guess take that with a bit of a grain of salt. It's great that he's outspoken, he's a personality, and he's a well-known player throughout the league. But I don't know if I necessarily trust everything that he's saying at this point. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it's the consensus of the majority of the players in the league. So let's wait and see what happens. There's some negotiations going on right now and, and cross our fingers and hope for the best. Do you see the CFL starting at the regular time or do you think it will be postponed due to the fact the, the COVID inoculations may not be progressed as far as it stands right now? That seems to be where we're going. They're not going to be um, where they wanted to be necessarily by May, June. I think the CFL has to stay on course and, and start as is. I don't know what you solve by deferring two months or three months and not playing these games. You're, what are your television partners going to say? I don't think you can run that gamble. I think you've got to play as you stated you would when you release the schedule. I guess to me it boils down to how long of a delay to get fans in the stands. If it's a matter of three or four weeks and they can actually get fans in for every game... Maybe they do push it back a couple of weeks to be able to get those gates open. Um, if it's going to be a bit of a different situation, then I agree with Don. I think it's very important to get it started on time. So to me, that's the, the make or break is when you can get, get, uh, get fans in those seats. Well, the one thing they do have is the bye week. They can always take those away if they want to negotiate them out to start the season just that little bit later but let's let's take the number four weeks how many home dates do you have in four weeks for most teams two for some teams three for some teams one it's it's not like the end of the world where you're 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 seeing all of your revenue go out the door i think there's room to take that little bit of a hit and you've got to believe that the community-owned teams are clamoring to play i i just can't see the ee team the Rough Riders or the Blue Bombers saying, yeah, let's let's skip it one more time. Because again, as we talked about last year in this podcast, they have no other revenue streams. This is it. This is why they exist. This, this is the only reason why they're a corporation to begin with. The other six have pockets to fall back on, but even those will dry up sooner or later if you don't play at all. And I think there's going to be some impatience in Montreal. They bought a team, haven't seen them play yet. You've got to think, Toronto, the way they're signing players, that this is go time. Remember, for proper physical distancing, if you're close enough to shake hands, you're too close. The recommended distance in CFL terms is two yards. Don't get a no yards penalty. Make sure you stay back at least two yards to maintain proper physical distancing. Third down. Well, gentlemen, no official announcement yet, but we seem to be inching closer to the Edmonton football team unveiling their new name. Any thoughts on what you've heard so far? And are there any names still in play other than the uh, the rumored Edmonton Elk? Well, I think there's been a, a lot of work has gone into this. The football team has solicited names in November. They've brought it down to the seven names. And, uh, you know, at this point, they've asked for people to vote. That closed on February 14th. But I, I would say that the president, Chris Presson, has identified that the, the name thing was for input from Edmonton and that it, he stated it wasn't a popularity contest to see which one comes first. So that's going to be intriguing, but uh, definitely lots of interesting ideas out there. The elk seems to be predominant one at this time is what I'm hearing as well. 
I've heard that they've trademarked all seven. So that would be Edmonton Eagles, Edmonton Eclipse, always having the name Edmonton in, in the trademark. And that way you don't get jumped by somebody who suddenly takes that web page or, or that URL or whatever. And uh, then you're paying them to get that back. They've been very prudent that way. Elk by far has been my favorite. I, I don't mind Eagles although I thought it was going to be Golden Eagles. And I'm okay with probably uh, Elkhounds, but it's a dog from Norway. I haven't been necessarily opposed to Evergreens since I saw that one pop up. Um, it's an interesting one. I don't think Evergolds, because what is an Evergold, at least an Evergreen, is a, a, a plant native to the area as well. I'm glad that uh, Chris Preston came out and said it's not a popularity contest because then you end up with a Bodie McBoatface situation and nobody wants that as something that's going to stick on on your football club. Uh, now that, that the voting is closed, the club is obviously going to be moving forward with the one that they think should be able to tell the story of the Edmonton Football Club. And that's, for me, um, I would agree with you, Don. The Elk is certainly my favorite one and and that comes down to the history the elk have been used by the edmonton football club before i believe it was a great cup run in in 1922 that uh, the edmonton football club at that time used the team name elk so i like that tie into the history i'm not a big fan of the eagles to be honest there's so many teams with eagles out there like you said the golden eagles i would see that as being at least a more unique name but uh the eagles there's there's a lot of other football teams out there and i i would probably lean to the evergreen as my second choice golden eagles and you've got golden bears right the university team so that'd be sort of an homage to them and that's where the team got their colors from was the alberta golden bears back about 60 years ago 70 years ago i guess now and evergreens i'd live with i think it's it's part of their area if you've ever been up to edmonton you'll know that tons of that history as part of what they have but i like elk Superfan Mike of the Turf District will tell you that they used that name for a few months, made a Grey Cup run, and then never used it again, even though there was a news article at the time saying that they would never, ever leave that name. Uh, I've talked to a couple other people that would prefer Elks as opposed to Elk, but uh, the plural form is being used by another group, and as such, maybe Edmonton doesn't want to get caught up in a branding issue with them, so... Edmonton Elk would be fine. I think colloquially, you probably hear at the stadium people referring to them as Elks. So I don't know that it would be that big of a deal if they were just the Elk. And then if the people started chanting, go Elks, go, what are you going to do about it? As long as they don't go to the Elkies, I'm okay with that. When you're making a break, you have to make a break. The people that wanted the old name that are threatening to never go to another Edmonton football game because the old name won't be there, it's the name they grew up with, it's for whatever reason, you're not going to appease them anyway. They, they have to come to this under their own belief system. They have to get there on their own terms if they're going to accept a new name. Be, be gentle with them, but don't, don't make your decisions based on them. You have to make your decisions based on what your entity wants to be and where you want to go from here. And I think elk provides you the most in terms of branding because you can, antlers can be, the crowd can be the herd. It, there's all kinds of ways that you can run with this. And I think even run would be <laughs> another part of the elk herd, right? 
and it ties to the north. It does a lot of things for you. You don't have to change club colors, which is one of the things they were adamant about. They really put themselves in a box when they said it had to be EE. There are not a lot of animal names out there that are starting with the letter E. Immediately, the, the choice was restricted immensely. So as a result, if you come back to something that almost 100 years ago you used for a few months and you can point to that tie-in, more power to you. Hey, that, that works for me. And I think that the choice of the animal itself has some support throughout some other sports. You've got the Manitoba moose and you've got the Milwaukee bucks that are both some of the same family of large ungulates, if you will. So it kind of, <laughs> it, it kind of, uh, you know, appeals to that outdoorsiness of, of Edmonton, just like in Manitoba, just like Wisconsin. Uh, so I think it's a good fit that way as well. Um, you know, Golden Eagles certainly would fit the bill in that regard. Uh, I just hope they go with something along those lines as, as opposed to Eclipse or Elements or Evergolds. I think those are, are kind of poor choices. It's certainly not up to me by any means. Um, and as far as, as those fans that are really hung up on the old name, you look at other sports and, and other cities that have had teams come and go. Now, granted, it's the same team, but... Uh, you look at the NBA and the Washington Wizards, they were known as the Bullets for a number of years. You had a, a new team come into Baltimore and they became the Ravens. You had a new team come into Houston and they became the Texans. So it's not unheard of by any means to change the name of a team. The Washington Football Club is going through that as we speak. I would be more excited about having a team than necessarily being hung up on the name. You also had the Tennessee Oilers become the Tennessee Titans. That's right. And in this circumstance, Edmonton took the conscientious move to make the change so that we can start looking forward instead of backward. And I think you make a salient point, Don. Moving forward is something that we have to do. And I think that next generation of fans, well, there's always going to be some tied to the old name. That next generation of fans and 15, 20 years from now, it, it will be more of a footnote in history than it will be a, a bone of contention with all the fans. I think back to the whole, and this now is 20 years in our past, but remember when they started to ban smoking in bars and they said, oh, the entire bar industry is going to collapse. Well, it didn't happen. There is a future to all of this and it won't be long before the new name is just commonplace. We don't have to look far. In the CFL, we had uh, Ottawa with different names throughout the year and, and those different names of, of, you know, the fans still come to the game. It's about the game and it's about the product on the field. The name is certainly something that people want to connect with. We want a brand, but at the end of the day, the game's more important than the name. And Montreal has gone through a couple of names in our lifetimes as well. So it's certainly not unusual. For me, the question right now is, when is it prudent to make this announcement? How soon do they want to get that decision made, make the official announcement, get that merchandise out there? Um, they've kind of indicated in the spring, which is a pretty open um, timeline in my opinion, but I would hope that they get something in place here, make an official announcement in the next month or so. Ultimately, you have to do this before the CFL draft. I think if you're going to be on TSN having your team announced, that's the prime vehicle to get that name out there and get people used to it. You have to have that name before draft day so that you can start the whole wheels of, of marketing, branding, uh, all kinds of things that uh, you can, merchandising that you can, you can start to capitalize on. And I think if somebody comes out with 
uh, an elk's on their jersey or something like that. That's a great point, Don. And if you recall, the Winnipeg Jets 2.0 did the very same thing. They announced at the NHL draft day, uh, Mark Shifley was the first draft pick for Jets 2.0. And it was a rumored to be the case. And it wasn't as a huge surprise, but it was really great for fans to have it be on draft day and really make that connection. So you could be bang on that that's when Edmonton is going to do it for the, uh, the football team. Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean. Follow us on Twitter where our handle is at Third Down Gamble. That's spelled at T-H-I-R-D-D-O-W-N-G-A-M-B-L-E. Join us again next time. The Third Down Gamble Podcast. Audio. Worth watching.